I think little by little over the last four years, deals in a lot of industries have been taking longer to close. Now, if this hits a nerve with you, if you happen to be experiencing deals taking longer than they should to close, or even more deals than ever starting to stall out a little bit, this episode is for you because I've got a very specific thing that you can do about this that can really turn things around for you. My name is Paul Castain from Castain Training Systems, and I'm the author of the YourSalesPlaybook.com blog and your host for the Sales Playbook Podcast. I've personally trained over 70,000 sales reps, sales leaders, and business owners to sell more. So get your playbooks ready, because school is now in session. This week's episode of the Sales Playbook Podcast is brought to you by our upcoming webinar, appropriately titled, What to Do When Deals Take Longer Than They Should. This is going to be coming up on February 9th, 2024, just in case you happen to be listening to this at some point in the future. And uh, I'm going to be talking all about it at the end of the webinar. But if you happen to be impatient like me and you'd like to learn more about it, please visit YourSalesPlaybook.com slash expedite. YourSalesPlaybook.com slash expedite. Let's get right down to it. Now, you know, one of the things I mentioned kind of in the in the intro for the and and this is one of those things where your mileage may vary. But a lot of us have noticed that deals have been taking longer to bring across the finish line. And it's interesting, just for the heck of it, every once in a while, I love to just have sales reps weigh in on this. And I'll do a lot of these polls on LinkedIn to see what's what. And I actually have a group over on LinkedIn, and it's called Sales Playbook. And if you haven't joined it, you really should, because I do lots and lots of polls. I probably do at least one to two a week, and it's just very interesting to see how and and what your peers are experiencing. And it's just, it's been a powerful forum for free for sales reps now since 2009. We're up to about 65,000 members. And I would urge you to stop by there. But anyway, I've been doing these polls here and there. And I just launched a poll just the other day. And this is by no means the absolute final say and the absolute indicator of what's going on with sales reps, but it's just going to give you just a little bit of an idea of what other people are experiencing. So I asked the question over there, are you noticing that your deals are taking longer to close? Now, as of right now, the de- uh, the the poll has only been up for, I think, about three days, and today happens to be January 28th. So we're on about the third day of the poll, and uh, keep in mind, right now it's a Sunday as of the recording of this, so uh, I imagine we're going to get a lot more votes in. But so far, as of right now, I got about 303, 305 people that have weighed in on this. And of the people that weighed in on the question, are you noticing that deals are taking longer to close? 83% are saying yes. Now, 
the whole point of this podcast is not going to take a deep dive into the external factors that are making these deals slow down right i mean yeah we could talk about things with the economy here in the u.s it's an election year you have a lot of people taking a wait and see attitude by the way when the economy starts to take a shit that's when you're going to see a lot of people with that same wait and see attitude so there's a lot of things that influence that and some of that we can't help right we can't but there are some things where it's not going to be foolproof but we can certainly reduce the probability of a deal stalling out so what we're going to do right now is we're going to go way way back in the process now a lot of people when i say this we're going to go way way back in the process oh you mean like the first meeting no i mean before that we're going to go back to the point where you're hunting business and you're prospecting because believe it or not that can influence deal velocity so let's you know we're going to really talk today about before a deal becomes a deal and we're going after people to get that meeting and that demo and to walk them through the whole courtship and everything else so the 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 targets if you will the people if you'd rather use that word that we select to approach can make a big difference so what we really want and feel free to say duh to this is we want higher probability prospects people that have a higher degree of urgency so let's talk about one of my favorite things in the whole wide world and by the way just in case you're one of like i don't know like everybody who listens to this podcast that has heard me talk about what i'm going to talk about a gazillion times you'll be happy to know that not only is it still valid and just because you heard something a gazillion times doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it but there's also something else that i've maybe talked about one other time I don't believe I talked about it on this podcast. So there's really two things that you could do, at least for today, at the very start when you're hunting these opportunities. So the very first thing, you ready? I'm getting ready for the eye roll I'm going to get from everyone. You want to look for trigger events. A trigger event is something that's going on in your potential client's world that would lead to a higher probability remember we're going we want higher probability prospects but trigger event is something that's going on in their world that would lead to a higher probability of them needing your solution i'm going to give you uh, a couple of specific examples that you might be saying yeah but that's not me no problem because then i'm going to give you some generic examples so I want to, and I use this example a lot, my friends in the printing industry, if you happen to notice that a company redid their website, guess what? They, they, 
if they haven't done it already, they need to redo their collateral. If you happened, and that would be a trigger event, by the way, that they redid something, right? And the opposite would be true. I mean, imagine you're a web designer and you happen to notice somehow that they have changed their collateral, but their website is not congruent with the new look of the collateral, right? So that could be a trigger event. Both of those examples could be a trigger event. How about if you notice that someone is new to that role, right? They are a brand spanking new, for example, vice president. That is a trigger event. Why? Well, new people have needs. And if you are able to help them, they're all ears. New people more i notice i always refer to it as the piss and vinegar stage when they're coming in they're ready to you know conquer the world many of them especially this time of year in january they have those fresh budgets and everything and they might be willing to have a conversation with you that the previous leadership was not willing to have with you so therefore that could be a trigger event. Let's take something from my world. Sales training, in case you didn't know it, right? By the name of my company, Castane Training Systems. There's your sign. Now, if I notice that a company is hiring, well, that could be a trigger event. Why? They're hiring new sales reps, for example. And guess what? New sales reps need to ramp up quickly because that is a major challenge. I can help with that. I have a successful track record in doing just that for companies, I don't know, for probably the last 20 years and um, you know, long before I launched Castane Training Systems. So those are some specific trigger event examples. Now I'm just going to give you some generic ones with the hope that I get you thinking. You see a company that's relocating, trigger event. A company that's expanding, trigger event. You see um, companies, their PR news releases, guess what? There could be a trigger event in that. A company that announces an upcoming event or summit or even, you know, lunch and learn or, uh, you know, a webinar or something like that, that could be a trigger event, depending on what you sell. Changes in legislation. There could be a huge trigger event. If you look at um, even, you know, I'll give you something right now that's, again, very specific, but I want you to think about it. There are some major changes going on with um, a lot of the major email companies, you know, like Gmail and, and, you know, Yahoo and all that. And there are certain things now that if you send out mass emails like I do, I have uh, a subscriber list right now that's pushing 100,000, there are things that I need to do. See, that can be a trigger event. Now, somebody, if they had come along during this trigger event and said, hey, Paul, we could help you with this, with your deliverability, I would be all ears because it was at one point a challenge for me, which I figured out, by the way, but trigger event right there some other ones for you and sorry if this one hit home hits home but the pandemic that you know i mean sorry if that's a morbid subject but it was a trigger event and in some cases it still is 
Anytime you see a company, and this one I want you, if, if hopefully you're uh, not driving your car because I don't want you writing stuff down, but um, if, if, if you're at your desk, I want you to not only write this one down, but circle it and put little arrows that say, over here, dude, so that you remember to look at it. Anytime you see a company that's received venture capital funding, that is a trigger event, right? That is especially if you could approach them from the perspective perspective of either top-line growth, bottom-line savings. Hey, what the hell? If you could do both, gold star. So those are some there. How about, you know, anytime you notice companies that are going through mergers and acquisitions, that could be a trigger event. Changes in leadership, changes in strategic initiatives could be a trigger event for you. When you notice a company sales, both good and even bad, yes, the company, and you know what, this one I want to stop for a minute, I've talked about this, when, especially when the economy changes, you'll notice certain industries get hit harder, and people then tend to avoid those industries that are hurting. So there's two thoughts I want to give you along those lines. And we're going to call these kind of two bonus tips today because it wasn't my intention to really go down this rabbit hole, but I want to. But very quickly, I've, I've tied a rope to me so you guys can pull me the hell right out of the hole. But uh, we need to talk about this very, very quickly. The tendency is to avoid industries that are hurting. And while I could agree with that partially, I don't agree with it fully. And I do believe that there is benefit in devoting some, definitely not all of your time, on some of the industries that are hurting for this simple reason. When you look at the probability of change or changing something, there is a higher probability when you're hurting, right? We'll do more to avoid and or eliminate pain than we ever will do to embrace opportunity. So I want you not to disregard industries that are hurting, but, you know, consider approaching them as well. And I alluded to it before, but what you have to do in those cases is just have a strong, strong case prepared of how, and examples and, and, you know, things, evidence along those lines of how you can either help them with top line sales growth and or bottom line savings. They are going to be, you know, more likely to want to listen to you because they got to dig themselves out of a hole. So keep that in mind. Now, the other thing I want you to think about is, and I noticed this, back in the recession of 2008, 2009, in that whole area, one of the distinctions that I made, now back then I didn't own my training company, but I was responsible for 850 sales reps for a billion dollar a year printing company. And I was a one man act supporting all those people. And things were getting very tight for us uh, in the printing industry. And people were more about, you know, price and all that. You know the deal, that's what happens. 
and then I made a realization and and part of this I have to admit it came from listening to people outside of the industry outside of sales I was listening to a lot of podcasts and reading up on just a lot of things along the lines of marketing and everything and the realization that I made is that for the most part money doesn't or opportunity doesn't just evaporate altogether it moves so where you might think oh geez you know this one industry or this one type of you know approach um you know is now dead and then you write it off and then you're like next you're missing out on the fact that money moves. So let me give you some examples. One example is, all right, so let's just say the economy gets tight, right? You're going to see less people are going out to eat, but that money is not completely disappearing. It's moving from people going out to eat to an increase in consumer food products. You see that every time. You see when the real estate industry is getting hit hard new home sales take a dive the money doesn't disappear altogether it simply moves from owning to renting new car sales again let's just say that takes a hit it takes a dive it doesn't disappear it goes from new car sales to used car sales and even if you really think these things out which you should if if you know these are industries that you are approaching or whatever you know we're not only talking going from new to used we're also talking about this whole trigger event what it's doing is that it is taking that now and you have people that are doing more to service their cars they need those cars to last longer so those are some things that you can think about but lots of different things that you should be thinking about when it comes to trigger events so i'm going to give you an assignment and uh don't send it in to me because i'm not gonna i'm not gonna have the time to go looking it over but man this might be a great topic for you guys to talk about in your next sales meetings but I gave you lots of examples of trigger events. What are your trigger events? What are some of the things that you should be looking for when you're hunting for opportunities? And then know that on average, when you get in front of a deal that was generated as a result of a trigger event, you will notice, right? And again, your your mileage may vary. It's typically around a 400% higher closing rate because there is a need. You will also find that when you approach companies that as a result of a trigger event, depending on the severity of that trigger event, you will find that there is a higher degree of urgency to have conversations about it. You will find when you address these things in your prospecting efforts that you are coming across way more relevant. You're going to get a higher response rate. You're going to have more quality conversations when you approach people that are experiencing a trigger event. Let's move on to idea number two that's going to help you 
increase your deal velocity and reduce the probability of your deals stalling out. So the second thing is something that I had mentioned before. I I really don't think I've talked about it on the podcast. And if I have, it's only been once. And more and more people are starting to talk about this. I'm going to say tops the last two years, but this concept, they're calling it multi-threading. And it has to do with prospecting, multi-threading. And what multi-threading is, is when you have multiple contacts within a company that you're approaching during the prospecting phase of the sales cycle. And, you know, you're not necessarily using them to get at the decision maker. You want really their help and their guidance throughout the sales cycle and they can help you and they can become internal champions. So before we go on, I want to just make one thing clear about multi-threading. This has to do with both prospecting and your networking efforts over on LinkedIn and you know, specifically LinkedIn and approaching people at different levels in the company. Now, there is a very easy way that I teach sales reps in my coaching program how to remember this and if it'll help you just like buy your phone up on the wall or your cubicle or whatever just write down these three words and it will trigger your memory every single time the first word is up second word is down the third word is across this has to do with multi-threading up would be the person. In fact, let me just give you an example. I'm sorry. I just want to back up for a second. Again, let's take my world. I sell sales training. So for me, my typical person, and there's all different levels, but let's just say that I need to, you know, talk with a sales manager because the decision is made more at that level for a local team or whatever it is. Um, So If I'm going up from a sales manager, remember the first word is up. So we want to go above that sales manager. Quick time out. I'm not saying that we run around people and blindside them. This is all inclusive. We are in addition to, we are going after that person with an equal amount of effort. So up from a sales manager in my world would be a VP of sales. I could even go above that to a chief revenue officer. In some cases, I can go up beyond that even to an owner or, you know, a CEO or whatever. All things to keep, you know, keep in mind. Now, the second word is down. So far we have up, now we have down. Down from a sales manager, no disrespect intended, would be a sales rep. Sales reps report typically to a sales manager. The third word is across. Now, across could be other sales managers. It could be other managers or if you want to, you know, say other stakeholders, right? So in my world, that could be people in operations. It could be people in customer service. So again, the second tactic here is to use a multi-threading approach. Now, let's get into why very quickly. The reason why we want to do it, and this is one of the things, by the way, 
that I feel is broken in sales. We were taught that you should go to the highest level of decision maker, right? And that, that's not a bad piece of advice. It's not false, but it is a half truth. Why? Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. It's a half truth because a the highest level decision maker is very important to have involved. Why? Well, because they could put their stamp of approval on it. If you have to, if you have a lot of moving pieces of your deal, they can remove internal speed bumps, internal politics. They could tell people to get their proverbial shit together and cooperate with that fat fuck Castain that keeps calling and, and looking for information, right? So they're very good for that type of thing, certainly for signing checks and POs. The problem or the challenge, if you will, with focusing exclusively on them is that the higher up you go, more and more, they are more and more removed from the day-to-day and removed from experiencing the quote-unquote pain or even experiencing the quote-unquote opportunity because not all just about pain. They, they're, when they're at that 30,000-foot level, they're not seeing things the same way as people at the street level and you can certainly point that out to them hey you know one of the things we've seen but what do you think is more powerful you telling them hey you know there's something else that maybe you're not considering right and maybe saying it a hell of a lot nicer than i just said it or don't you think that would pack a much better punch if someone internally said that from their team that did not have you know the financial um buy-in that we do like you know with they of course you're going to say that you're a sales rep and you make commissions when this gets sold well not not your people right they don't so um that's why you want to have both you also want the other people at their peer level other managers going at them because they're not a subordinate and they can put pressure on them internal peer pressure um certainly like I said, having people above that person that you're dealing with is a good thing too because, again, they can put pressure on them. So you really want those other people involved. Also, there's people who disagree with this, and that's fine, is I believe that the more people that you have involved, and I don't mean having involved like 15 fucking people here, and it, the whole thing now becomes complicated just to get everybody in the same room at the same time or, you know, same, uh, you know, conference call or Zoom meeting or whatever. I just think that, you know, the more people that you have that are stakeholders involved and you work the process properly, the higher pro- the probability of this of the deal velocity being increased and this going across the finish line a lot smoother and you could also use some really cool tactics now when you have other people involved that involve consensus and things like that so my assignment for you the first assignment that i gave you is don't forget i want you to look into the concept of identifying what your trigger events look like in the industries that you're going after. Assignment number two, think in terms of multi-threading 
What does your up, your down, and your across look like? Okay, so there you have it, folks. These are two things that you can do before something becomes a deal. What we're talking about here is specific companies to go after. Ones experiencing trigger events have a higher probability of closing. They have a higher degree of urgency. These are higher probability deals. You want these all day long. So you want to spend the bulk of your prospecting time in that zone, going after people with needs, high degree of urgency, and again, that higher probability of saying, hell yes, get me that contract. The other thing that you want to do is you want to multi-thread so that what you're doing now is that you can get these stakeholders into a position of consensus where you can work psychological tactics like internal peer pressure and things like that. So all worthless, by the way, until you choose to do something with this information today before you go. And also, I might say, if you found this helpful, you will absolutely love the webinar that we're doing on February 9th. We're going to be talking all about what you can do when deals take longer than they should to close. And uh, this is going to be on February 9th. 2024. By the way, I want you to hear me out on this and consider making a move on this quickly because there is an early registration discount that is going to be going away on January 30th, 2024. But here's what we're going to cover. There's a lot that I'm going to be offering here. First of all, we're going to talk about four things to do immediately that will create urgency, reduce no-shows and ghosting, and overall set the tone for a smoother sale. We're going to talk about one thing to ask for if, you, if you're still having face-to-face meetings, okay? This is one face-to-face tactic that nobody does that you absolutely need to do. We're going to talk, you ready for this? 20 preventative measures to reduce the probability of a stalled sale. Then we're going to start getting into the icing on the cake portion. I'm going to share with you a 10-point follow-up sequence that's going to be complete with both templates and scripts for multi-channels right and when i talk about that i mean things like linkedin and cold emails and in this case it wouldn't be cold emails but your phone calls text messages if that's part of your uh you know the vehicles that you use to deliver your messages we're going to be getting into that and then last but not least how you can use chat gpt to have endless follow-up options. Now, the things that I'm going to teach you with ChatGPT, it's going to be three commands or prompts, if you will, that you could use that could just give you an infinite amount of things to follow up on. And when you add that to the 10-point follow-up sequence, one of the things that this is going to help you with is a lot of the time in the follow-up, I really believe it gets screwed up. 
in that it positions us as needy and desperate and certainly you know embracing a lot of cliches when we get into a lot of that i'm calling to check in nonsense so this is going to help separate you included in this webinar is going to be that 10 point follow-up sequence i believe it is uh three chat gpt prompts and there's just going to be a lot of templates and and scripts and things of that nature there is an early registration discount in place normally i charge 99 dollars for my webinars been doing that forever what i decided to do anyone who registers before january 30th 2024 before 4 p.m eastern time you will save $25. So if you'd like to learn more, I hope you do. Please visit yoursalesplaybook.com slash expedite. All one word, obviously, all lowercase letters, yoursalesplaybook.com slash expedite. With that, I'm Paul Castain from yoursalesplaybook.com. I am wishing you an incredible week ahead. Go get them. The Sales Playbook Podcast is a Castain Training Systems production. Be sure to sign up for our free sales tips by visiting yoursalesplaybook.com slash subscribe.